Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. On today's episode, we have Dr. Abby Jones. She's a clinical psychologist. And we talk about all things, how to maximize your brain today. And we started actually about the, oh man, history of what women, generational baggage of the way the women are wired and what we've kind of dealt with and, and how to break free of that so we can actually optimize our brain. Right, Andressa? I really like this conversation and I think that we could have talked for hours and hours. Yeah. You're going to feel it. You're t- definitely going to feel it. What, what stood out to me is uh, how important it is to answer and determine what we want not what we were told that we were supposed to want. And then from that, tap into community and get the support in terms of how to execute that. I think those are such like a fundamental skills that you're going to learn here. You're going to get super curious about it, as I am right now. This is just the tip of the iceberg for me. And I think we're going to have to explore this much, much further. But that's for now. Enjoy this episode. Before we get into Dr. Abby's story, let's hear a word from our sponsors. You ever feel like your vacation rentals since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Welcome back, everyone. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where we're, our mission, our passion is to empower women to live financially free and balanced lives. Right, Andressa? However they choose to do so. <laughs> yeah, because balance, it might be a trigger word for a lot of people. Many might say, oh, that's not even possible and I don't like that. That's cool too, right? What balance is to me might be look very different than it's for Liz and for Dr. Abby. So we, we encourage you women to think about how do you feel balanced and, and let's get that going. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Dr. Abby Jones, thank you so much for being here today. 
so appreciate your time. And, and, and what I'm really excited about jumping in with her, we have three pillars in our community and what we stand upon. Obviously, real estate investing is like key, right? It's, it's like kind of the vehicle for financial freedom and living life on your own terms. And I'll say we want a business that runs without ourselves in that business all the time. So it's running without us, right? A lot of women yearn for that rather than you know buying a bunch of buildings and being a landlord. And then you're like, hold on, I'm working harder than I was in my nine to five. That's what we don't want for you. So that's why business is another pillar, how to run that business efficiently. And the third pillar, and quite honestly, the most important pillar is self-care. And self-care, it means so much more than getting that massage or getting your nails done. All great things, but we really stand upon your mental health. And part of your mental health is how do you use your brain? Because we've been taught these things. So that's what I'll be talking about today. And we're just so excited. Andres and I are going to be fighting to ask the next question here the whole time because we're both just so selfishly excited about today. So thank you, Dr. Abby, for being here today. Hey, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait. So first question for you is what lesson on your journey, it'd be great even as a journey, as a doctor, as a professional, what lesson has taken you the longest to learn? No, gosh. (laughs) Honestly, and it's something I'm still struggling with today, without a doubt. I have three young kids at home. But it's to take full power and full ownership of who you are and to have absolutely no hesitation in putting your own well-being first. When you're able to show the people that you love and care about who you are and how powerful you can be, they can model that and they can learn from that and they can take those skills and employ them in their own lives. But when we sit back in this like helper subordinate role, we're not serving anyone, especially ourselves. And it's hard. It's hard as women and it's hard as moms, but... We can get there and it can serve everyone. I want to pick back on what you just said, because there was something prior to the, the podcast. And I'm going to read what you wrote that I was like, I, I don't want to miss any single word of this sentence. So you said, women have been trained over thousands of years to serve in a subordinate role. Our brains are literally wired to the fall to that role. And it will take a whole hell of a, a lot of personal work to break generational patterns of existence. Oh, gosh. Like, let's take a deep breath here, right? Where do we start, right? Because I think that a lot, a lot of our patterns, quote-unquote brain patterns and behaviors are unconscious. We are not even aware that that's been happening. So where do we start? I think the first place you have to start is pointing it out in a strong and intentional and mindful way everywhere that you see it. And when you make something known to your own brain, when you bring it to your conscious awareness, that's the only point where you can begin to actually do something about it. So for me, what that looked like was pointing out that my husband just yesterday made no attempt to arrange for childcare or arrange for what Abby's going to be doing. Well, he went out and went on a four-hour golf outing. And it's like, women, we don't do that. That looks, that's not our default mode. But when we don't hesitate any longer in saying, hey, that's a little bit of injustice. That's a whole lot of manpower in our equal world. Only in the last, what, like 15 years, has this movement of women becoming more aware of our own role in society and what we can be, has that even begun to like breach the surface of what it could be? And it's a crime. It's an absolute crime because we've been trained for what? I don't know. How long have humans been here? I think we we argue about that all the time, right? Like millions of years, trillions of years. I don't know. 
we've never once allowed ourselves to be the leaders of our families and to be the leaders of our societies. And only right now are we beginning to allow ourselves to do that. If we sit back and we we continue to play the same role, how could we possibly have the nerve to expect any meaningful change to take place? So point it out and don't hesitate pointing it out and write it down and make it a part of the conversations you have around the dinner table. Empower your young girls, empower your little sisters, let them see it and how it affects you and how it affects them. Don't be afraid of the conversation. Even if you don't know what the conversation will look like, have it. So it's so interesting because there's so many layers, right? There's this societal expectation, right? Which we're speaking about has gone back since and Jess and I were chatting earlier, like hunting and gathering, right? So if, yeah. if, if, the, if the norm, if the generational baggage origin is that, and literally the hunter, and again, I'm not the scientist, but the hunter's going out, right? Finding the food protection and the gatherer is literally keeping everything organized, keeping all cylinders happening. That's really what still, that, that baggage, I won't call it baggage, but those norms are still with us in our society of today. Yeah. Yet, we have so many women, especially the women in our Strive, our Strive Mentorship Program. Conversation I had last week with so many of these women. These are women who are dominant. These are women who are take charge, the, wired this way. And they're not detail-oriented. The majority of them are not detail-oriented. Yet, they're seeing the need to be because of this, the, this baggage, as well as this, the, the norms of their relationship and what's expected. Meanwhile, they're dying in the detail and their spouse, right, is not in any detail to your point about the golf course. So my question is the awareness is one part, but there are that, that, that societal level and then there's like that personal level of just that's not in my even nature to be organized. There are women that are and there's women that, that are not that struggle. Mm. What would you say to them? I would say a schedule is everything. And there's four key like pillars of what a schedule should look like. A really good executive dysfunction schedule always has four components. So executive dysfunction are these skills that are housed right up here in your prefrontal cortex. It's the very last part of your brain to develop. And really what your prefrontal cortex does is it does the talking for the rest of your brain. And it allows those skills to kind of be accessed and to be used in real moments. But if you don't write things down and if you don't have a very clear set schedule of what your day and what your details need to look like, then you haven't shown your brain the problem. You have to be willing to show your brain, this is exactly what needs to be accomplished. This is the time it has to be accomplished by. So for me, I have these schedules that I live by, and some people put them in their phone, and some people hang them on the wall, and we do both in our family. But no matter what, your schedule should have four things. You have to make time real. There has to be a time component. There has to be a deadline. Whether that deadline is 7.15 or Tuesday at 3 p.m., it can be far, it can be close. You have to have a call to action, meaning your body has to physically do something to know that that thing is done. For me, it's literally checking a box. Are you one of those people who make checklists just so you can check it off? Yeah, me too. Do you like yeah, I have to. <laughs> yeah, even makes it feel you good. Know, well, funny thing, that sometimes I did it already, but it's not on my list, so I write it and then I check it. Yes, I'm learning. I like it. And what you did when you did that is you gave your brain like a little shot of dopamine. And that's the feel good chemical, right? Like that, that wakes you up a little bit and makes you say, oh, yeah, I did that. I accomplished something today. And you rewarded yourself. And that's good. The third is a visual reminder, meaning it can be like a little rudimentary means nothing drawing. It could be a smiley face. It could be anything that represents that thing that has to be done. 
For my kids, I draw a little picture of a bed, reminding them, you have to make your bed. This is not a choice. It has to be done by 7, 10 a.m. And you can't come out here until that box is checked. So there we have the time, the visual, and the call to action. That checks the box, knowing that it's done. And then the fourth, as long as you're reading age and older, including all adults, all the way up into geriatric years, there has to be a verbal reminder. So a verbal prompt. For me, that's just writing it down, what actually needs to be done. And we're not detail-oriented because for generations, our, our like neurochemistry has been wired to keep the children alive and keep the home clean. But what's funny is it's really different between the societies that we talk about. So like, look at Native Americans. Native sure. American women didn't raise their children. The grandparents did. The Native American women were a part of that hunter-gatherer team. Who do you think was tending the cornfields while the men were out finding the meat? It was the women. And we don't do that anymore. I mean, my my husband's parents are young and spry and active and they love our children, but we have made the conscious decision to live in two different cities. And that's crazy. We didn't used to do that. And so we we have to be aware that we're kind of setting ourselves up for failures in a lot of ways. And we have to be willing to use networks, to use daycares, to use, I don't know, societal solutions. We have to go back to this true community. And I don't know what that means yet, but I'm trying real hard to figure it out. I have a question about the last piece that you mentioned about the verbal reminder. Yeah. And if it's crossing my head, I know that the women that are listening, it's crossing their head too. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the person reminding everybody else what they need to do mm -hmm. it is a lot of energy that takes and i don't know if that's what you meant with the last piece but a lot of the women feel that they need to be the the thinkers of it right writing the lists and giving the, all the step by step so people can execute and that takes a lot of energy and really explaining it and is that what you meant on the, on the last piece yeah, so we've been, um, the buzzword right now in my world is executive dysfunction, right? So that part of our brain isn't cooked right. <laughs> and for men, we notice it all the time. And it's not necessarily a fault thing, right? They have been trained to behave the way that, that they are too, right? It's not just us women. So yeah, we have to do a direct skill training intervention the same way I would with one of my clients. You have to be willing to train them. And no, you don't want to, but do you really want to have the same mental load argument next week? Yeah, they get better for two days. But unless you are willing to take ownership of that problem in your life and train the skill that you expect your child or your husband or your spouse, whatever, your partner to learn, nothing's going to change. So there does have to be this like extreme ownership over your own life. And I seal that phrase intentionally. Extreme ownership is a book written by two Navy SEALs who are yeah. like, I don't know, that. they might as well. Yeah, they might as well just come in here and, and rule my life because they do it all better. <laughs> but they're like my wish. My wish is that there was like a retreat, a workshop or where we can send them in and pick yeah. up back already trade <laughs> they do that they do that they do do that i don't know how to get in touch with them but i'm sure you could google it but i mean these guys they've truly figured it out and there's a reason that they got to the the command post that they did and 
I grew up in a military family. My brothers and my dad were both combat veterans. And well, actually, I think I said that wrong. I think my brothers would be mad because they would say, we're still in, we're not veterans. <laughs> anyway, the Marines have a similar kind of laws that they live by, the 11 Marine Corps leadership principles. And it's like men have all of this, right? They have this in, in their, um, not biology, but in their culture. They have extreme ownership. They have 11 Marine Corps leadership principles. They have you know, I'm sure you've seen the social media guys who who talk about taking ownership of their household and blah, blah, blah. But they're developing that in their own culture. And why in the hell aren't we? And why is there this shame around wanting to be the breadwinner, wanting to be the one to take charge and take ownership? And yeah, it is tiring. It is absolutely tiring. But there is a skill deficit and you have to make the conscious choice of, am I going to do something about it? Am I going to teach that skill that he's lacking? Or are we just going to have the same fight and ruin our marriage? Oh, so many places to go here. <laughs> so many things to talk about. Yo, I, Liz head is just like, oh, wait a minute. I love it. I love it. I love it. So couple, couple questions, though. The idea of mental load, right, is very real. Where, yeah. where, as we were just talking about, right, where there's, you're doing the thinking, you're doing the organizing, you're doing the training, you're doing the quality control, right? You're, you're doing it all. It's like, well, Shit, if I did all that, I might as well just do this myself, right? It, it mm-hmm. becomes that conversation. We know that that's not effective, right, to, to shift anything. So where in all of that in terms of like you're training someone, but there's a mental load, but there's a level of ownership. So walk us through an example of what that might look like, because I think this is really, really important for the women listening, because a lot of the conversations right. we've had. How do you allow for them to take ownership and also be trained? Yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm dogging on my husband a lot, but I'm I'm not intentionally doing so. Oh, it's great. We, yeah. Sure. Yeah, right? It's real life. It's it's what actually happens. I married one of the good ones, okay? He he's truly coachable and that part of this, right? So what makes someone coachable? It's someone who's willing to identify and be be really conscious of their own deficits and also to learn from the person who might have that skill. So for me, I am not technically sound. Like getting on this computer was hard enough. <laughs> that's him. You you want a good budget? That's him. But for me, I'm a doer. You need something done, you come to me. If you want it done in six weeks, but done very proficiently, you go to him. And we know that about ourselves. So part of this is having an open conversation with whoever it is that you're trying to to teach, to coach, and knowing knowing yourself, knowing your skills, knowing your deficits, but also that person being willing to do the same. So that's step one in this conversation is know yourself, seek improvement. That's one of those 11 Marine Corps principles. Once your deficits are known, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful free resource that anyone can have access to. And it's, I mean, it's key. It's key. Okay, so know your deficits, both you and the the person we're talking about. And then be very real and respectful in how this deficit is affecting your home and your ways of operating in the world, whatever that might look like. So for us, we had to start making lists and we had to have them up in awareness. You know, you know the the saying out of sight, out of mind. It's true. In ADHD and in any executive dysfunction, if you're not looking at the thing, you forget it, it's not there. And that's one of those visual reminders, right? You have to have a visual. Out of sight, out of mind is very neurobiological. It's real. 
So for us, I had to train him to make lists. I can't just say to him, hey, don't forget to get milk. I have to put a sticky note on the door on the way out to his truck that says milk. He knows that just walking past it isn't enough. He has to grab the sticky note and put it in his pocket because now he has the visual and the verbal. And it is training. And you have to make the choice of, am I going to put in the effort to make the change, to train the skill, or am I going to let this be another conversation? And you're right. Mental load is real without a doubt. And we are very guilty as a gender of showing up in that role for too long. But we're really good at it, right? Yeah. We're really good at making sure the kids have the cleats and the helmet yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But until we go, I'm going to train husband to do that too. Then how dare you expect them to to have that same skill level that hundreds and hundreds of years have given us. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A. Biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. True. And I think that because we, we are good at it, and we can see ahead, and we can see all different buckets that happen they are all interconnected inside our brains that is also our achilles heels because then we are quote unquote self-sufficient to the point that we're burning out right but what i want to talk about is i'm so fascinated about executive functioning the ef which is the purposeful and goal-oriented behavior but you mentioned something that it is possible to unlock our brain power that we don't we didn't know even existed. Uh, now I'm like, where is this? Where do I put the key in and turn it? So how does that process happen? So you're saying to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that yeah. I have certain brain power that I'm not even aware that exists and I'm not utilizing it in my life. Is that the That's thing? right. That is spot on. 
Well, tell me, where we'll get started. Where do I start? Okay. So, disclaimer, I'm going to attempt to put like seven years of training into like a three-minute speech. Oh, okay. right, here you go. <laughs> you're, good, you're good if you can do it. <laughs> okay, so it used to be believed that you were born with all of the neurons that you were ever going to have, and they only died out from birth. That is absolutely not what's happening. Your brain is incredibly plastic, meaning it's moldable, it's changeable. All the way up until your geriatric years, you can change the way your brain shows up, fires up on like fMRI scans today purposefully, but you have to be willing to put in the work. And it's in the exact same way that you go to the gym and you do a bunch of curls with the goal of increasing your muscle mass in your arms. You have to be willing to do the mental curls, the mental work on purpose. And there's lots of different ways that you can do it. So the there's also a lot of combat in the literature right now of do we train an executive function or do we train a skill that is uh, transferable to real life? I like the idea of training a skill because it's super measurable, right? And I'm all about, can you measure the effect size that that thing had? But there's other research that shows if you're sitting in your car and you're on purpose working on your working memory, you might do something like scan at the stoplight from left to right, do a quick scan. And then if you know you have 30 more seconds, close your eyes, name everything that you just saw, or, you know, stare in a spa on your steering wheel, do the same thing. So that's training your working memory, right? So if you know that you're having a problem remembering what was that thing, what was that thing she told me to do, work on it, right? Improve your active awareness of visual or auditory memory stuff. And you can do the same thing with like, oh, here's the big one, cognitive flexibility. Right now, teens, kids, everyone, we're having a lot of problem accepting that lots of different things can be true at one time. So one of the things that I encourage my clients to do is practice it. Tell me how you can get from here to the grocery store in 20 minutes or less. Well, the obvious one might be getting your car and drive. But there's lots of other ways, technically, that you could get there, get on a horse, uh, sprint, whatever. You have to be willing to be open to those and to list them and to be aware that all of these other things can be true. And just because the first one came to your mind first, that doesn't make it the most efficient or the best answer. So practice it. Be aware of your own weaknesses and then practice that specific skills over and over and over again. And what's really cool about this is if we were to shove you into an fMRI machine, your brain patterns might look different. Your synapses might have rewired or pruned. That's like uh, pruning is like making efficient, cutting off stems that don't need to be there or regenerated in different ways. It's fascinating stuff. Like I love this. Oh, it's so awesome. Like brains are so cool. And why in the hell what we taught this? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking, especially with teams, right? Because the women in our community, we are many solopreneurs or many are building teams. And if I look in my team, right, even if we have one way of doing things, I mm -hmm. think that I'm going to start implementing right away. Like, okay, this is one way. Let's think about two other ways that we can accomplish that. Right. I, I want to implement that as a standard way of thinking. Mm -hmm. We need to get creativity. I mean, it, yeah. it's got to allow for creativity, right? I would imagine. Yeah. Then just the common way we know how to do something. Because right? then and it, when problems happen, 
well, I'm going to also think about train my brain. I think my brain will, if it trained, will spit out three ways also. So, right. Right? Right. So That's exactly right. No, you're thinking of it exactly right. And when you also train yourself to like use your team for whatever power they might have. So like creativity, maybe you have someone on your, on your staff who's super great with graphics or whatever. When you are willing to expose yourself to that information and that knowledge on purpose, you're doing it on purpose, right? You're planning for it. You're doing it. You're actively engaged in that learning. Then all of a sudden, you're thinking in terms of graphics and you're adding that little skill set into your own way of being. And again, graphics or, or like art in your brain is in a totally different spot than like reading and writing, which is where I'm a reader, right? If I don't read it, if I don't write it down, it's not real. But I'm trying really hard to start using graphics in my own way of life on purpose, right? But it is a skill that you have to be willing to learn first by recognizing your own deficits and being super open about them. I hate this conversation that's in social media about like accepting the way our brains are made. And, and right. Why? Why do we have to accept that? Why do we have to? Pretend that the cards we've been dealt are good enough. They're not good enough for me. Okay. So I follow up question to that, right? But it's just straight stuff. It's like, so you have your skills, you have your deficiencies. How does that align? And I get that, right? Because I have plenty. I have plenty of deficiency. There are the argument of there are people that have a strength in that area. Or are you saying something different? So here, just follow my train of thought. You're not saying this is like my strength and my God-given core genius. You're saying this is a skill that everyone, if you're a human being, needs to have a certain amount of, whether it's like this is your core genius or not, right? So that's what I'm trying to morph of the conversation of creating a skill, like a process for me to work on those deficiencies of skills in my brain, right? I get that. Is it is it and like also allowing myself to be who I am, right? And to be kind of like, you have your own kind of core, core genius. Am I ever going to be as critical of a thinker as someone else who has that core genius? Or are we talking about different things? No. That's what I want to get clear on. Yeah. No, we're talking about the exact same thing, right? So okay. we're never going to be built the exact same way as someone else. And so sure. it's, it's like a it's an and game, not an or game in what you just said. It's both of those things, right? Because I know that my girl, Christy, is always going to be the person I go to if I need that thing on that screen to look good. I have never learned the technicalities behind it. I don't think left brain or I don't even know wherever art is. Right. Sure. I don't think like that. So I've accepted my own deficits, but I've also become consciously curious about how she became so good at that mm. and what little things can she teach me today that I can implement to make myself just this much better. I'm never going to be an expert. She's spent decades training to do what she does. And I don't ever want to pretend to be that expert. Yeah, so it's, a, it's an and. It's an and, not an or. And also, uh, temperament, like your natural ways of being, are very real. You're born with them. They're genetic. And it's almost like aggression. Like there's so much aggression in me and there's so much yeah. aggression in you. And I am aware that I am a very aggressive personality type. That's innate. You can see it in your infants. I don't know if you two women have children, but you know an aggressive child almost immediately. Yeah. So I love, I love that because yeah. we do a lot of work around really allowing 
women and people to like, what what are you on this earth to do? And, and, and how do you do more of that? So you're not doing it 10%, you're doing it at 90%. I love what you're saying too, though, in the sense of like, okay, naming your deficiencies. Like, this is stuff that I'm just not good at. And, and do I need to still do those on some level in some role of my life? And then what does that look like to your point? I think there's a reconciliation of all of that. And there's a balancing act of that. I don't know. I'm just trying to make that real. Here an example. Let, let's say memory, right? Because you talked about memory, right? Mm-hmm. So if I am somebody, people might say, I don't remember things because I don't organize things. And I, I love what you mentioned about how can you set yourself up for success, right? But let's say somebody doesn't remember things. What you're saying is that there is a part of our brain that is not being tapped, but Correct. it's there. It's available if I know where to get and harness it. Is that it was the said? skill? Because it's a skill. This is not like a God-given like genius. Right. This is a skill. That's right. Absolutely right. And it's it's funny because this term executive functioning, it's two things. It's very much like a neuropsychological concept that you clearly have to understand neurobiology to understand what executive functions is. But executive functions are, so there's what oh. executive function is, and there's what executive functions are. <laughs> oh my God. So executive functions are this long list of skills, including a very broad range of topics, planning, organization, working memory, adaptability, metacognition, thinking about the way you think. Those skills, you can train those. Mm. But executive functions, it's also this neurobiological job of the prefrontal cortex. And then there's the whole other conversation we have to like trauma. If you experience trauma in childhood, your prefrontal cortex might still not be developed and you can mm. still do something about that. Absolutely, yes. If you've noticed your parents have started to decline as they age, you can absolutely do something about that with on-purpose targeted intervention of the prefrontal cortex. And I, I, I truly don't know why in biology, in high school, you know, your sophomore year biology class, why we learned about muscles and not your brain. <laughs> why are we cutting frogs? Instead of talking about this. It's awful. I I, my gosh, that's so disgusting. Nonsense. Yeah. Stop. Like, I want to say something. I got to read it again because there's so much here and I want to get it wrong. We mentioned a little bit before about cognitive flexibility. I really want to dive in a little bit into into it because this is a skill of perspective taking, adjusting to an expected change and considering multiple solutions to a problem. This is huge for women in our community here because we either interpret things as, oh, there's so many opportunities here and then I'm stuck. Or there's so little opportunity and I'm stuck. The bottom line is that too much or too little, it defaults to this stuck mode that they cannot get out. So we have built a community where women can literally rely on each other, but it's not by default. We have seen over and over again, women still trying to figure it out by themselves because we have been trained to it. 
I don't know if it is a survival mechanism or, you know, and not for and all the above that what we have talked about. But how can we get unstuck? Uh, oh, is yeah. Community the answer? Is it internal work or and? You know, I don't think it's and. I really don't. I think that those are support figures in your story. And when you take you on that, that Dr. Abby, what'd you say? I, th- I don't think at the end, I think those, those other figures, the community, those are support figures in your own story. Gotcha. And you are the leading lady, right? And so it's one of those extreme ownership things. You have to become so clear on what your goal is that there is no room for flexibility because it is very set in stone. But the how, that's where the flexibility has to come in. The, the stuck you know what you want, whatever that thing might be. One of my favorite supervisors always said to me, Abby, what do you want? And as soon as I could say it clearly, boom, we can come up with 10 ways to get there. The 10 ways part, the how-to part, you can make a list of ways to get there. You can narrow them down to your three favorites. You can come up with resources about how I can support that exact plan. That you can do something with. And so it is a game. It's a game of balance. And it's a game of awareness. I can't tell you, though, how many people I work with who cannot tell me what they actually want or why they're in my office. You must be willing to become very very clear about what your own deficiencies are or what you need. What do you need? What do you need to actually reach this potential that you know you have? That's when you reach out to your network, right? That's when you rely on your support figures, but they're still support figures. You're still the one in the ownership role, the the driver of your car. And I think that goes back to the societal baggage, right? Of, you know, being able to ask yourself on a daily basis, weekly basis, what do you want? Mm-hmm. What do you need? You know, and I, I joke, but I, and Jessa and I were preparing for an event. I think it was Investor Connor. And I'm just like, I'm very clear on what I need. What do you need? Like, I don't know. I don't understand the question. She's like, what do you need during the conference? I'm like, I'm there to serve. She, I get that, Liz. That's who you are. But what do you actually need? <laughs> like, she had to say it a few times, like, dummy, you know? Yeah. But but it's it's that question, right? And it's just, just for a conference. It's our, our life. We yeah. What do we really want? What do we really yeah. want? I think that's the key. And then the community, what we've we've created right here as Investor and other communities is the is the how. And there's five ways to get there. And we're going to support you along the way because whatever you come up with, we're going to figure out together. We're not going to figure right. out where you actually want to be and what's important to you. That's that's for you to figure out. And I love that delineation, right, Angela? If you go to other conferences and other things, we were told what we need. In order Correct. for you to be successful, you need to do this. Or by owning, quote unquote, this amount of houses, this is what success looks like. So you want this, don't you? Mm-hmm. So now we're like, wait a minute! I have to, I don't, I, I don't. Yeah, right? right. And I think that this is like giving women permission right now to say out loud, "Well, this is what I really, really want," and own it. This is my definition of success, right? Correct. But until the women can say it, they it, it can't be spoon fed to them because that's not theirs. Until they can say it for their own and their own, you know, purpose. It's meaningless. But man, there's so much power in becoming crystal clear in that goal. It's such a cool feeling when you say, by 2025, 
June, I want to own six homes on this block. That right there is tangible, narrowed down, narrow focus. You say that to a complete stranger, they understand what you just said. And then you can re- then you can figure out the multiple ways to make it happen. Yeah, it's so true, right? To be able to be very clear on not not only your goal, but address it to your point. Is this my goal or has this been a goal that's been given to me? That, that's a whole other level, right? Because especially in our space, right? The more you own, the more you, the more doors you have, that's what you should want. And it's, you should yeah. be able to keep going bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's not what's supremacial, you know? No. Like I'm done growing now. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yep. Dr. Abby, you know, this is such a great conversation and you, you know, I need to have you back for part two or doing more with you here because there's so many other places, right? I'm just so we could be talking about, but I think for the women listening, right, you know, to really, really own so much of what in your cognitive world do you need to work on? You know, what are some of those deficiencies? And it's not just given something you can develop, I think has been so many different nuggets here, but thank you so much for for being here. And where can the ladies listening learn more about you and also maybe even explore this topic even more, because I'm sure you've piqued so many women's interests. Oh, it's so much fun. I love talking about this. So my website is blamedrabby.com. Abby is A-B-B-I-E. My handles on TikTok and Instagram are blamedr.abby, so blame D-R-A-B-B-I-E. And on YouTube, I am blamedrabby, spelled out. But I think my website might be a good place to start. You know, we can connect there. We can do coaching calls there. I'm going to start putting up some content as far as, you know, tutorials go. And I'm I'm excited about it all. I'm really passionate about this stuff. And Blame Dr. Abby was really born from a, I was unsatisfied with the current medical model and what traditional therapy can offer. And I still do that. And I love, I love that space. But there's so much more, right, for so many women in, in your network of, they might not have a diagnosable disorder, but they still need help with these things. And that's where Blame Dr. Abby was kind of born and, and who it's intended to serve. I don't know what tomorrow will look like, but I, I can't wait to continue to grow and change and develop and become clear on my own goals and my own growth. Awesome. And thank you so much. This has been super fun. <laughs> awesome. All this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition very quickly to our fabulous three questions, Dr. Abby. Now, first one is, what's the most transformational book you ever read? Oh, wow. That's a great question. A Matter of Life and Death by Irvin Yalom. Second question, what's the most powerful routine that you do to live a financially free and balanced life, whatever that means to you? I know where every dollar is all the time. (laughs) Last question. Which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Uh, my sister, Carrie Wong. Thank you again so much, Dr. Abby, for being on our show and sharing all your wisdom with, with our community and everyone listening. Thank you. This is so much fun. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.